Ministries and Intimate Local Christian Church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. Why did God the Father create Barah Ministries? Well, he wants all believers in Christ to know his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants us to know him intimately. Many claim that Jesus Christ is not God. They contend he's just a man. Well, would a man make a claim as bold as this, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the Lord tells us, There is salvation in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven which has been given among men by which we must be saved except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he's either telling the truth or he's lying, and you get to decide. We think he's telling the truth, and we have full confidence in him, and we know that Jesus Christ is God. Knowing is not enough, though. The question is, do you ever feel the magnitude of what the triune Godhead has done for us? God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you ever feel what they've done for you? That was the main message of my study this week. Do you feel it? Do you really understand on a really deep level how much you are loved? by the sovereign God of the universe. They love us. They forgive us. They're willing to die for us. They wiped out our sins. They freed us from bondage to the law. They eliminated condemnation, damnation, and wrath that was due us because of our sins. It's mind-boggling that they would do these things for creatures who are not good enough to do any of these things for themselves. Well, to help us to get to know him, the Lord has provided us with the Bible, which is his exact thinking. And he has given us a member of the Trinity to help us understand biblical things. God the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 13, the Lord says, When God the Holy Spirit of truth comes, whom I, the Lord, am sending to you, he will guide you, believers in Christ, into all the truth. The Lord doesn't want us to count on ourselves for anything. Unfortunately, God has an enemy who loves perverting the truth. Our enemy has many titles. Satan, the evil one, the tempter, the destroyer, the deceiver, the great dragon, the one who deceives the whole world, the serpent who leads the world astray, the spirit working in the sons of disobedience, and the prince of the power of the air. The Greek word that describes Satan is diabolos, which means slanderer. He is diabolical. 
Satan caused all the angels to turn on the Lord by trafficking slander about the Lord among the angels. Satan was so convincing that all of the angels believed him without checking the evidence. And it's the same thing that happens with people all the time. They hear things about us and they never check the evidence. Well, the Lord describes his enemy to a group of unbelieving Jews in John chapter 8, verse 44. He says, you are of your father the devil, Pharisees and scribes. You're not of your father Abraham. And you want to carry out the desires of your father, Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning, which Abraham was not, by the way. And he does not tell the truth because there's no truth in him. And whenever he speaks, he lies. And his lies are his native language because he is a liar and he keeps on fathering lies. Satan's greatest deception is convincing the world that he doesn't exist. And he's quite good at this deception. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, the Lord commands believers in Christ to resist Satan by standing firm in your faith. We place our confidence in the Lord, we obey him, and we reject Satan and his lies. Today's Bible lesson, if you work for your salvation, you're going to the lake of fire. If you work for your salvation, you're going to the lake of fire. Well, the older I get, the more I realize how pathetic it is that so many people in the world are counting on themselves for salvation rather than just believing in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. It's so much easier to accept the free gift of salvation from a sovereign Lord than to work for your own salvation. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 warn us, enter salvation through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction in the lake of fire. And there are many who enter through the wide gate. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to the resurrection life. And there are few who find the small gate. Today we continue our study of Paul's letter to the Galatians with a theological and historical look at why faith alone in Christ is the only way to salvation as we study the final passage in Galatians chapter 3. And this theological and historical look will even leak into chapter 4, which we'll begin our study of next week. Well, let's hear some music. What a blessing it is to have a God we can always depend on. Dependence. When we're weak, we are helpless, which is all the time. We count on the Lord. And he is always there for us, no matter what. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says this, And the Lord has said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for divine power is perfected in human weakness. Most gladly, Paul says, I will rather boast about my human weakness so that the divine power of Christ may dwell in me. 2 Corinthians 12.10 Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, it's then that I am strong. Well, Stephen Curtis Chapman confirms this for us in his song, His Strength is Perfect. Please, really listen to the words of this song to prepare you for today's lesson. Oh, 
can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But sometimes I wonder what He can do through me. No great success to show. Yeah.
his strength is perfect and ours is quite imperfect and he always carries us when we can't carry on. Let us play. Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, we thank you for the magnificence of what you have done for us. While we were enemies by choice against you, you remedied the situation by sending your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to completely take on the burden of sin and unrighteousness instead of letting us take it on ourselves. And you require nothing of us in return for this graciousness. Your Son took on a burden that was not his, sin, and paid the price we should have paid. God the Holy Spirit teaches us to marvel and to be in awe of the depth to which we are loved by you and the entire triune Godhead. Help us to feel how much you love us. Get us out of our intellect and into our feelings so we experience your love for us if only for a moment, so we can realize exactly what the blessings you give us mean. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, if you work for your salvation, you're going to the lake of fire. If you work for your salvation, you're going to the lake of fire. Well, let's listen to today's passage, and then we'll study it verse by verse. This is Galatians. Chapter 3, verses 15 to 29, a historical and theological look at the problem in the churches in the Galatian region. Galatians 3.15, brethren, that's believers in Christ, I speak in terms of human relations, even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Galatians 3.16, now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say into seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed, that is Christ. Galatians 3.17, what I'm saying is this, the law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. Galatians 3.18, for if the inheritance is based on law, it's no longer based on a promise. But God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Galatians 3.19, why the Mosaic law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator, until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Galatians 3.20. Now, a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only for one party only. Galatians 3.21. In the Mosaic law, is the Mosaic law then contrary to the promise of God? May it never be. Absolutely not. For if a law had been given, which was able to impart the resurrection life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. Galatians 3.22. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Galatians 3.23 But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Galatians 3.24 Therefore, the Mosaic law has become our tutor 
to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith in Christ alone. Galatians 3.25. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. Galatians 3.26. For you are all sons of God the Father through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.27. For all of you who are baptized into union with Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in union with Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.29. And if you belong to Christ, and of course you do, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs, according to the promise. So as a reminder, in Galatians chapter 1, Paul attacks false teachers and false teaching by refuting their contention that the gospel message came from Paul, the man. Paul says the gospel message that he taught did not come from man. It came from God through a direct revelation, even though the gospel is delivered by imperfect men and uh, selected intentionally by a perfect God. Then Paul rebukes the believers in Galatia. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, he says, I, Paul, am amazed, I'm astonished, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Galatians 1, 7, which is really not another gospel at all. It's a counterfeit. Only there are some false teachers, the Judaizers, who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul argues that if righteousness can be attained through keeping the Mosaic law, then Christ died needlessly at the cross. Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. It says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in dwelling me. And the resurrection life, which I now live in the flesh, my human body, I live by faith alone in the Son of God, who loved me unconditionally and who gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.21, Therefore, I, Paul, do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through keeping the Mosaic law, then Christ died needlessly. Justification is given to us by God as a gift, as a result of our faith in Christ, and through nothing else, and especially not through our works. In the first part of Galatians chapter 3, Paul wonders why the believers in the churches he started at Galatia are so gullible as to listen to and to believe the false teachers. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 and 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Galatians 3.3, are you so foolish, having begun your salvation by the baptism of God the Holy Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? All right, well, let's study this passage now, verse by verse. Now, this is a, a special note for you. Everything we study in the Bible is not practical. As we learn biblical truths, we suddenly ask ourselves, how does what I'm learning right now apply to my life? This passage is theological and historical, and it applies to your life, but it requires you to think what God wants us to think. He wants us to understand the foundation on which he builds the principles 
that lead to the do's and don'ts of our lives. But if you live your life by the do's and don'ts only, what, what am I going to do? That is, by behaviors only. You will miss the real things that God wants to get into us. He wants us to have thoughts that enable us to have an instant reaction to false teachers and false teaching. Do you spot false teachers and false teaching immediately? Does your bullshit meter go off when you hear things that are not true? Phase one of God's plan for mankind is salvation through faith in Christ. And when we place our confidence in God the Father's plan, we ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save us. He does. How do we get saved? By faith, not by works. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 say this, For by God's grace you have been saved through faith in Christ for salvation. And that grace and that faith and that salvation are not from the source of yourselves. It is the gift of God the Father. Ephesians 2, 9, So being saved is not a result of your works. It's not a result of deeds you've done in self-righteousness, so that no one may boast about saving himself. Phase two of God's plan for mankind is sanctification. It demands faith as well. God the Holy Spirit takes over our lives and leads us into all the truth. He helps us get to know the Lord. John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8 say this, But I, the Lord Jesus Christ, tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, and of course I am, I will send him to you. And God the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the whole world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The convicting ministry of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit. His ministry to unbelievers to make them aware of the issues of the gospel message so that they can be saved. Paul starts the last half of Galatians chapter 3 with a human analogy. He says this, Galatians 3.15, Brethren, I speak in a human analogy, even though it's only man's analogy. When a man makes a covenant, that is a contract, and it has been ratified, which means confirmed by expressing consent, the man signs it. No one can set it aside, and no one can add new conditions to it. Now, what Paul is referring to here is a human's last will and testament. We write it when we're alive, and when we die, no one has the right to change a single provision of it. If this is true in the human realm, it's even more true in the divine realm. God made a promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. He said, in your seed, Abraham, and that's a reference to Christ, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Notice, this is all the nations of the earth, not just the Jewish nation. So how did Abraham obey the Lord? How did he listen to his voice? Genesis chapter 15, verse 6 says, Abraham believed in the Lord through faith alone, and the Lord credited his faith to Abraham's account as absolute righteousness, the admission ticket to heaven. God's promises cannot be canceled or changed like human contracts can be. Abraham is saved by faith, 
and he wasn't even circumcised. The false teachers would have told Abraham that he wasn't saved. Acts chapter 15 verse 1 says, Some men, and it's a reference to the Judaizers, the false teachers, came down from Judea and began teaching the believers in Christ. Unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. Well, Abraham wasn't circumcised according to the custom of Moses, and he is the father of the Jewish race, and he was very much saved. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now the promises of God were spoken directly to Abraham and to his seed. God does not say, and to seeds, is referring to many, but rather refers to one, and to your seed, that is, the Christ. Abraham believed in the promises of God, and he was saved by faith. And because of his faith, God promises that Abraham would produce a seed, Christ. Christ, who would come from Abraham's lineage, the spiritual Jews, who believed in Christ by faith. And Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, that there's a difference between spiritual seeds and racial seeds. Romans chapter 9, verse 6. It's not as though the word of God has failed simply because unbelieving Jews rejected their Messiah. For all Jews are not spiritual Israel in the eyes of God just because they're descended from Israel as racial Jews. Romans 9, 7. Nor are they all children of God in God's eyes simply because they are Abraham's blood descendants. But the Lord says, through Isaac, a believer in Christ, your real descendants, the spiritual Jews, will be named. A special note, the promises of God to Abraham happened nearly 500 years before the Mosaic Law and the Ten Commandments came to be. Galatians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 say this, What I, Paul, am saying is this, The Mosaic Law, which came 430 years after God's promise to Abraham, does not invalidate a covenant, a spoken contract, previously ratified by God with Abraham, so as to nullify the promises God made to Abraham. Galatians 3.18 For if the spiritual inheritance is based on keeping the law, which is works, It's no longer based on a promise from God, which is faith. But God has granted salvation to Abraham by means of a promise, faith in Christ alone. God's promise to Abraham was direct and unilateral. It was God talking to Abraham one-on-one. It requires nothing from Abraham, and it was not based on the Mosaic law, which did not exist. Actually, Abraham was a Muslim who worshipped the moon god. He was as despicable as we are today, yet God didn't regard Abraham's depravity as an issue. Abraham counted on the Lord for his salvation rather than counting on himself. In Romans chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, we see what kind of faith the totally depraved Abraham had. He said, yet with respect to the promise of God, Abraham did not waver in unbelief but was strengthened inwardly by God in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully assured, Abraham knew that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. 
So the question is this for you. Do you exercise that kind of faith in your Lord? Well, when we come back from the break, we'll take the offering and we'll hear the rest of Galatians 3, this fine theological and historical lesson. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. Will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody trying to tell. I'm 
Joe? When we were here, today's Bible lesson, if you work for your salvation, you're going to the lake of fire. If you work for your salvation, you're going to the lake of fire. Well, when we were his enemies, God the Father gave. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32 say this. If God the Father is for us believers in Christ, and of course he is, who is ever going to be successful in opposition against us? And of course the answer is no one. Romans 8, 32. God the Father, who amid his feelings of wrath did not spare his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but delivered him over for us all, How will God the Father, now that we're in union with Christ, not also freely give us the all things? And of course, he will. Since God the Father is willing to give, let's not be conflicted about giving. Be generous with the financial gifts the Lord has given you. You'll be supporting God's ministry so we can provide the word of God and the gospel message free of charge to people all over the world who need to hear about the Lord. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Denny Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon at Brown Ministries because I get insight and knowledge every week from a great pastor who spends his life hunched in front of a computer learning for us and awakening us to God's plan and how much God really loves us. I don't think any of us ever think about it. It just, we get to work, we get to family, we get to all that stuff, and you don't think about how much God really cares and how much we should care for others around us. And I've been thinking, you know, as we go through all these false teachers and I'm raising my children, I'm just wondering what they're getting into and how much much they're going to have to weed through all the problems and all the misleading lies and the misinformation that they'll get. And so I've really been thinking about teaching them about faith and hope. And you think about faith, hope, and love. Faith and hope are really from what we need in our fallen state. And it's what we need kind of here for ourselves. And love is a whole different level. And we can see that in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. But now faith, hope, and unconditional love abide in the sphere of these three. But the greatest of these is unconditional love, God's love. God is love. What is it, 1 John chapter 4? God is love. So if you abide in love, then you are, I mean, that's harmony. That's unity with the Spirit of God. And when you think about faith and hope, their root is really love. Because you have faith in what you love. And you have hope in what you love. And when you think about love, it's really for others. And faith and hope are more for ourselves, more for us working through problems and not getting too down on ourselves or thinking that there's no hope. And then you think about, really, you know, like I said already, God is love. So when you abide in love, you're abiding in God. And that's really what he wants us to do. And when you think about it, love is really eternal. And faith and hope are more temporal. They're for now. And so when you give it the offering, you're really abiding in love. You're showing that your harmony is with God's God's thought and God's word. And you're allowing others to have the chance to have faith and hope in God and get through. And so we always thank you for having faith, hope, and unconditional love, but especially love. Because when you give it the offering, you're showing that you're more like a diamond that has many facets. 
and faith and hope are just a ruby and a sapphire. But to be a diamond is really what we want to be in this life. And so thank you for showing yourself to be a diamond and allowing Barah Ministries to be a diamond in the rough and a diamond and a light to this world. So thank you very much. There is none like you. Welcome back to today's Bible study. If you work for your salvation, you're going to the lake of fire. If you work for your salvation, you're going to the lake of fire. Well, after hearing Paul's opening argument, the Paul's teachers contend that the Mosaic law nullified the promises to Abraham. Paul has to clear it up for them. Galatians chapter 3, verses 19 to 22 say this. Why the Mosaic law then? It was added because of transgression having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promises had been made. So whereas God spoke directly to Abraham about the promises of the Jewish race, he spoke through mediators to get the Ten Commandments and the Mosaic Law to us. So... Why did God bring in the Mosaic Law? He brought it in to teach us that we're sinners in our very nature, at our very identity. Romans chapter 5, verses 20 and 21 say this, The law came in alongside sin so that the transgression, the law-breaking, would increase. But where sin, that is law-breaking, increased, God's grace overflowed all the more. Romans 5.21, the Lord provided grace abundantly in the presence of sin, so that as sin reigned as king in spiritual death, which was our life in Adam, even so, by means of God's grace, we believers in Christ would reign as king through righteousness from being in union with Christ to eternal life, the resurrection life, through our union with Jesus Christ our Lord. The Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant are not in opposition. God is not a God of confusion. The only way to have a relationship with God is to trust Him to do everything and to accept His gifts. The false teachers offer legalism, a perversion, and a poison that cannot save anyone. Instead, it leads people to destruction, either of the joy in their lives if they're believers in Christ, or of their very salvation 
if they're unbelievers. The only way to heaven is to trust the Lord to do the work. Galatians 3.20 Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is for one party only. Galatians 3.21 Is the Mosaic law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. Absolutely not. For if a law had been given which was able to impart the resurrection life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. Galatians 3.22 But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin. We were born physically alive and spiritually dead so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe in Jesus Christ. Well, what is the Judaizers' lie? The Judaizers are saying, all right, Paul, let's assume that God began his dealings with Israel by making a promise to Abraham, calling for faith. You can't deny that 430 years later, God thought it was necessary to lay down the law for Israel. So the most natural thing to assume is that even if faith begins with a promise, later we are completed and perfected by engaging God's will with effort to keep the law and to show God we are worthy of the promised inheritance. Yeah, there's no way. We are absolutely not worthy of anything that God has done for us. Because what they're inferring is that God says to me, God says to us, trust me, And then when we trust him and put our faith in him, he says, okay, now work for me. Those who believe this lie distort James chapter 2, verse 20, which says, are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? What's distorted is that James was talking to believers in Christ. He was not talking to unbelievers. And so this is... this. What, what they do is just a complete distortion of the message here. The Lord clears things up, though, in Romans chapter 9, verse 32. He says, they didn't pursue righteousness by faith. They pursued righteousness as though it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. That is, they missed accepting a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ for righteousness. Who is he talking about? The Jews. Legalism is the most destructive bondage in which Christians engage. Romans chapter 10, verse 3 says this, For not knowing about God's requirement of absolute righteousness, meaning they ignored it, and instead seeking to establish their own self-righteousness, Israel and the Jewish race did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God the Father through faith in Christ. They rejected God's way, in favor of their own way to their destruction. Now the conclusion. Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 to 29. For what purpose did God add the Mosaic law? But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to faith, which was later to be revealed. Galatians 3.24. Therefore, The Mosaic Law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. When we find out that we are sinners, then we need a Savior, and that Savior is Christ. Galatians 3.25. 
But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. We don't need the law anymore because the seed has come. The seed who is Christ. Galatians 3.26 For you believers in Christ, through faith alone, are all sons of God the Father through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.27 For all of you who are baptized by God the Holy Spirit into union with Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. You picked up and put on Christ as if he were a jumpsuit. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's no racial distinction in God's plan. There is neither slave nor free man. There's no social distinction in God's plan. There is neither male nor female. There's no gender distinction in God's plan. For you are all one. You are all in unity who are in union with Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.29, And if you believers in Christ belong to Christ, and of course you do, you're sons and heirs of Christ, you're children of God, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. You come from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the spiritual Jews. Well, the purpose of the Mosaic Law and the Ten Commandments was not to save us. God gave them to show us that we need to be saved. Have you ever stolen? You need a Savior. Have you ever lied? You need need a Savior. Have you ever coveted? You need a Savior. Have you ever taken the name of the Lord in vain? You need a Savior. That's what the Ten Commandments were teaching. I remember when I learned the Ten Commandments for the first time, and I said, wow, I haven't haven't kept any of these. So, my goodness. We wouldn't know about sin without the law. You wouldn't know that you were breaking the speed limit if there wasn't a speed limit sign. We only need the law until Christ came. And in Romans chapter 7, Paul says, we are born coveters. When God says, do not covet, what do we want? We want to covet even more. When I say, don't eat my Snickers bar that's in the refrigerator, what does everybody want to do? They want to eat my Snickers bar. Amen? Stay away from the Snickers bar. Well, God makes unilateral promises to us. What does that mean? It means God is one-sided. It means unconditional love is one-sided. It doesn't require anything of anyone. He promises to do everything, and that's what we have such a hard time as human beings accepting. We have such a hard time accepting that he wants to do everything, and he wants us to do nothing. He requires nothing of us. The job of the Mosaic Law is to ask us if we are guilty to ask us if we are sinners. And of course, the answer is a loud and resounding yes. If we're in prison, we can't get out by our good works. Oh, we let you out on good behavior. No, they don't. Your good behavior allows a judge to let you out. We can't get out except through the permission of a judge. When we put on Christ, our stained life is washed away. How? By Christ's blood. Foolish people think they have to be worthy of God's blessings. None of us are ever good enough to be worthy of God's blessing. How many times have you wondered if you're good enough? In our lifetime, we're always wondering if we're good enough. And the loud and resounding answer is, no, you are not good enough. No, you are not worthy. Now, if you, if you now fret about that, and try to work to be good enough and work to be worthy, 
you're missing the point because God is willing to make you good enough and to make you worthy by what he credits to your account. The Judaizers contend, if you don't drink, you're spiritual. If you don't smoke, you're spiritual. If you don't ingest caffeine, you're spiritual. Oh, well, blew that this morning with that pumpkin spice latte. If you don't swear, you're spiritual. If you, don't, if you go to church, you're spiritual. If you say you're spiritual, you're spiritual. No, you're spiritual if you have God the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And you did absolutely nothing to make that happen except to accept as a free gift a promise from God. So what will it be for you? The works of the law or obedience to God? It's a pretty simple choice. I hope you make the right choice. Well, the closing moments of our lesson today could be the 10 most important minutes of your life. We want you to know that God wants you. And what he wants from you is for you to make the most important decision of your life. When food manufacturers noticed your fast-paced mobile lifestyle, they came up with instant food. Instant coffee, instant oatmeal, instant potatoes, instant TV dinners, and instant gravy were among their initial culinary creations. Most of them were awful. This message is for those of you who want an instant relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For those of you who may be wondering what's going to happen the instant you close your eyes in this life. There's an instant answer to your curiosity. And the Lord guarantees that in an instant you can become a child of God. You may not know your unfortunate circumstance at the moment of physical birth, which is unrighteousness. You were born physically alive and spiritually dead as an ungodly, unrighteous unbeliever. It's not your fault, but it is your circumstance. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 says, For all in union with Adam at physical birth, and that's every human being who comes to the earth, are set to die the second death in the lake of fire. Because Adam was appointed by God as the head of the human race, his first sin was credited to the account of all human creatures, resulting in spiritual death. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says this, Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and spiritual death entered the world through his sin, so spiritual death spread to all men, because all men were considered by God to have sinned when Adam sinned. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, all creatures have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, It is written, There is no creature who is righteous at physical birth, not even one. And despite this unfortunate circumstance, there's good news from God that instantly frees you from sin, from spiritual death, and from the kingdom of death and darkness into which you were born. You're invited to be born again, the spiritual birth, into a spiritual life in God's kingdom of light, where sin is no longer sovereign over you. The Lord Jesus Christ offers you a so great salvation, and it is his will that you accept the free gift made possible for you at the cross. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise of salvation, as some accuse him of, 
Instead, he is patient toward unbelievers, not wishing for anyone to perish in the lake of fire, but wishing for all to come to repentance, which is a voluntary change of mind about having a relationship with Christ. If you end up in the lake of fire the instant after your physical death, it will not be because the Lord wants you there. It will be your choice. So how can you get to heaven in an instant when you close your eyes in this life? By obeying God's plan for your salvation. Right where you sit right now, you can be saved in an instant. You can tell God the Father that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the instant of eternal life for you. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved by God, you, and everyone in your household who also believes. To believe means to take God's word for it regarding what it takes to be saved. And God says the one way, the only way to get to heaven is through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this, Jesus said to the doubting apostle Thomas, I am the way to salvation, I am the truth through the gospel message and the word of God, and I am the resurrection life, eternal life. And no one comes to God the Father in heaven, but through believing in me. Who is the God who saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. He says, I, the Apostle Paul, deliver to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures. The Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead proved that he is deity and it qualified him to save you. Believing in Jesus Christ is your acknowledgement that you can't do a thing to get to heaven on your own. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't good deed your way into heaven. You can't be a good person and get to heaven. You can only get to heaven by accepting the instant gift of salvation from a God who loves you so unconditionally that he sent his son to die for you on a cross to pay your way into heaven. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this, God the Father demonstrates his own unconditional love toward all mankind, and that while we were yet sinners, while we were unrighteous, ungodly, unbelievers, enemies of God, Christ died a sacrificial death for us. God has an enemy, Satan, who deceives the whole world, including you, with a strategy to exploit human beings. Religion. The religions of the world deceive you into thinking that you can work your way to heaven, that you can work to please God. Well, the truth is, no religious ritual has ever been good enough to do anything except to waste your time. Religious rituals absolutely won't get you to heaven. They just make you look stupid. It's wise to let God save you because once God does something, he never changes his mind. John chapter 10 verse 28 says this, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, give eternal life to believers in Christ and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You can't lose your salvation and if anyone says you can, they are lying to you. There is no reason to be uncertain about what happens at the moment of your physical death. So heed the warning 
and take the blessing and the invitation of John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment, in an instant. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. When you reject a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible makes it clear there is a consequence. Matthew chapter 13, verses 40 to 42. Just as tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so it shall be at the end of the age. Matthew 13, 41. The Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, will send forth his elect angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks, that's unbelievers, and those who practice lawlessness, that's unbelievers. Matthew 13, 42. And the elect angels will throw unbelievers into the furnace of fire, the lake of fire, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what's your choice? Are you for or against Christ? A a relationship with the Lord does not require blind faith. There is no such thing as blind faith. For the wise, faith is always invested after an examination. You have faith as a gift from God, and you can place your confidence in the object of your faith. To place your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ and to let him save you is a delicious move. You can reject a relationship with Christ, or you can make an instant choice for Christ, and the result, your salvation, stands finished forever. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, encourages us. He who has ears, let him hear, let him really hear all of these things. Some things that happen in an instant are quite tasty. Take a moment right now to wrap your mind around the only instant thing that lasts forever, a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, let's close with music. Maybe the reason we want to help God by working for our salvation is that we feel like we aren't good enough to be worthy of God's blessings. We aren't. But as June Murphy says in her crossover song into the country music realm, the cross made you good enough. Dream. 
Trinity indwells you, and I have set you free. You're a citizen of heaven, you belong to me, you lack nothing. day back in the 70s, Glenn Campbell crossed over from the country chart to the pop chart and had two number ones. Now June Murphy's done it, crossed over from the spiritual chart to the country chart with, my cross made you good enough. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, thank you for making our salvation so simple. Help us to ignore all those who make it complicated. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Discussing the lesson in prayer circle right after this. You can join us live or on Zoom immediately following this lesson. Got biblical questions? Ask the pastor. Pastor at BarahMinistries.com. Keep on studying the Word of God. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.